And I think there will become an increasing demand for change. And it won't just be these like occasional strikes that are about staffing ratios and pay, which really are, you know, fighting over pennies at the end of the day. It'll be about like huge, huge shifts in the way that we view healthcare professionals and the work that they do. How does a talented and passionate nurse practitioner realize that the world is her oyster and find happiness in the non-clinical space? Let's talk all about it with nurse practitioner Shira Page, the medical partnerships manager at Bobby, an infant formula startup, right here on episode 429 of the Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is always about you and your personal and professional development, your career and the healthcare system in the big picture. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine and beyond. I love having you along for the ride and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you'd like to help other people find the show, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple or Google or Amazon or Spotify. And please also consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith. That really helps. Even if you're pledging $2 a month to support the show, that's at patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. You can always become a client of Nurse Keith Coaching as well. Mention the show and get 10% off your first coaching package. The show notes will be at nursekeith.com under the podcast drop down menu. But of course, they're always on any app where you happen to be listening to the show. So never fear, you can always find the show notes and everything you want to know about the episode and today's guest. So as I mentioned at the top, we're talking today with Shira Page. She's a nurse practitioner and the medical partnerships manager at Bobby, an infant formula startup. And Shira, I'm so glad you're here. And I really enjoyed our initial conversation a number of weeks ago. And the first question I want to ask you is, what caused you to want to pivot out of the clinical space as a nurse practitioner and find a new role and a new pathway for yourself in your career? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, just want to start off by saying thank you so much for, for having me. Um, I think it wasn't a single point where I intentionally set out to pivot. It was kind of a slow dissatisfaction with the clinical space that I think if I'm being honest started very early in my training. You know, I was studying nutrition in my undergraduate career and rather than going to pursue my master's in dietetics, I decided to go into a direct entry pathway program for nursing and I really, really wanted to be an NP. Um, Mm -hmm. I had NPs that I looked up to and I looked at their day to day and I thought that looks like my dream job. I really want to be able to help people in some of their most challenging moments. I want to be able to support people in those vulnerable times. And I'm also just fascinated by health and the way that 
we can work to support people in feeling well. So that was kind of my starting off point for wanting to be in medicine. And I will say that within the first like three months of my RN training, I was like, this is not for me. Hmm. It didn't, you know, I, I didn't enjoy the RN clinicals, but as I'm sure many nurses listening to this know, a lot of people don't enjoy RN training. It's very hard, is emotionally and psychologically challenging. You are doing things that you have never done before. The academics are extremely grueling. So I kind of just thought, well, oh, I guess I just have to get through this and then find a setting that works for me. Um, And then I went on to working as an RN. And of course, you can't get jobs as a new grad in these dream settings that you've crafted in your mind. So I was working um, in very challenging settings. I was working on the floor at a state hospital um, and then doing some outpatient work as well. And I I knew it was time limited because I was going to get my NP. So I thought I just have to get through this and then I'll be an NP and everything's going to be completely different when you're an NP. And, you know, I was struggling in my NP clinicals and I kind of wasn't aligned with necessarily like that's, that's kind of when you start to see the breakdown of the, the healthcare system and how it's not serving patients. You see your preceptors being stressed for time, not being able to work with patients in a way that actually serves them. You kind of see the system, systemic issues in healthcare reflected in the patients. But I thought, oh, you know, I just have to get through this and then I'll get a job maybe in, you know, like a concierge medicine or an alternative medicine practice. So anyway, you know, I don't want to belabor this point, but it kind of just continued along that. Like I graduated, I got into a setting that was comfortable. I was working in outpatient endocrinology as a nurse practitioner. Um, And I, I learned so much and I enjoyed working with patients, but it felt like there were kind of walls around me limiting both my career growth and my ability to really move healthcare forward or serve patients in a way that was actually helping them become healthier. And I chose when I had my first child to kind of step away from full-time practice for a little bit. And when I decided to return and I started looking at new jobs and what was out there in the healthcare space, I interviewed for a lot of roles um, in many different settings. I even considered going back and doing some RN work just so I could be in settings that I had kind of uh, romanticized or thought were like the perfect place for me to be. And when I would get to the end of the hiring process for these roles, I would start to think about my day to day and start to listen to kind of what I would be doing. And it just didn't feel right to me. It felt like I was just going to end up in the same place looking for a new position. And then I, at the same time, was starting to kind of just put nurse practitioner into LinkedIn and Indeed and click on things that weren't clinical roles. And when I started looking at those, something about them kind of excited me. They were very foreign to me. I didn't know what that would look like, but I felt like I had the opportunity to try those. And I happened to apply for one of those roles and got it. And I guess 
that shows how unintentional that pivot was that I was kind of just like, well, this other option doesn't look so good. So I guess I'll just try something new. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, I can go back, but uh, this is, I'm going to give this a chance and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately your story is so common you know, yeah. you, you have this vision of what you think being a nurse will be, and you have you have a vision of the nurse you want to be, and maybe you had role models who you wanted to emulate, and then you get, even in school, you start to see the walls like you're talking about, like the, the strictures that are all around you, and then you start to see the systemic picture more and more, right, as you go deeper and deeper, and you get out into the working world, and Unfortunately, your story, you know, gets repeated over and over again, and it's disheartening on a le certain level, right? Because not everybody feels they can stay in the clinical space, and of course, we need people there, but we have to take care of ourselves and find the path that works for us. So when you started to really think about the non-clinical roles and apply for them seriously, and you were like, okay, I'm really going to see what I can find here. What did you experience once you started interviewing and once you took the job? Like, did you have survivor's guilt because you got out <laughs> and a lot of your peers are still in? Like, what, what was going through your heart and your mind as you made this enormous transition? You know, what was that like? Yeah. So, this was all occurring for me in a very unique time frame that definitely held a magnifying glass over, uh, you know, to use your term, survivor's guilt. So I took my first non-clinical job at a continuing medical education company in December of 2019. Mm. Um, and I was still holding on to this for DM urgent care job in a setting that I was in no way past the learning curve at. So I went there anywhere from three to eight hours a month. And my blood pressure would just be like through the roof at these shifts because I was doing um, testing that I had never done before. It was a setting with, you know, just a lot of socioeconomic and, um, social issues, mental health issues. So the patients were just complex and not having experience doing urgent care. It wasn't like I was in, um, you know, like a, a big chain urgent care center where you just see the same sinus infection over and over again. It was like sinus infection in the context of someone who's unhomed and HIV positive and hasn't seen primary care in three years. So it was very stressful, but at the same time, I think I was doing it in a way to kind of prove myself. Like I'm not doing clinical work full time, but I am still an NP, right? And I'm a hardcore NP because there's definitely this identity shift. If you're not practicing clinically as being a nurse, which has been part of my identity for so long, no longer part of that identity, that was really challenging for me. So I held on to this role despite it being stressful and logistically <laughs> inconvenient. And then COVID happened. Um, and uh, for a number of reasons, that role 
um, did not continue into the acuity of early COVID. And so then I was suddenly not working clinically and that had not been an intentional shift. Like I was kind of planning to hold on to that job forever. I wasn't really sure what my plan was, but I was like, this will, this will keep me practicing clinically in some capacity. And suddenly that was just gone from my life. And I think I did have a lot of guilt. Um, you know, the news narrative at that time was constantly talking about this shortage of healthcare professionals. Healthcare professionals were viewed as heroes, like the most important people in mm -hmm. the world. And that was definitely really hard. I don't think I have hero complex in any way or want to be seen as the most important person in the room or anybody's savior but I think it was so that noise was so loud um and when I had colleagues that every day were going to work in full PPE and coming home and leaving their clothes outside their door like and I was sitting at my computer. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that was just that was just challenging. I felt a lot of guilt, but at the same time, I felt grateful. Like I felt grateful that I wasn't going through what I saw was, you know, the really unfair circumstances that a lot of healthcare professionals were subjected to during that time. Right, and so self preservation was kind of high on your list at the time and i know you had a child at the time too now you, now you have two children right yeah so you have to think about your family too i mean you know your your career doesn't happen in in isolation right there's always a context for your work life and you said something to me when you and i spoke a few weeks ago when we were first discussing you being on the show and here's a quote from our conversation you said it's not great for the healthcare system that we leave clinical practice, but it's not our responsibility to be martyrs. And to me, you're an example of one of those people who were like, okay, so yeah, I feel badly that my my peers are suiting up and going in and fighting the good fight, you know, during the pandemic. And here I am at home, you know, doing my my work from home. However, the martyrdom is really the thing here. And of course we need people in the ICUs and the EDs and everything, right? Don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we need clinicians, but we also need people who do other things, right? I mean, we all serve society in our own ways. And for you, with the work that you do now, which we'll talk about in the second half, how do you, how do you feel about that? dichotomy that's happened you know especially with people leaving because of the pandemic do you do you see it as really bad for the healthcare system or do you see that that people are kind of equalizing things and finding the path that they need and the path that's best for them and their families i think that if healthcare professionals continue to think that the way it's been is the only way and that they are stuck in those roles and stuck in systems that don't treat them well and in some situations you know treat them in ways that is objectively inhumane mm -hmm. then nothing's going to change 
So we are in this, this point right now where, you know, and it, it's a moving target, so it's hard to generalize, but I think we are at a little bit of an inflection point where people are leaving healthcare in mass, where you don't have enough physicians in specialty fellowships, where you don't have enough nurses. Um, and I think my hope is that that will really encourage these large healthcare organizations to take a hard look at the way that they treat healthcare professionals and decide to make some changes. You know, some of that is, yes, things like raising compensation um, in those roles that are not adequately compensated. But other things are just like allowing people to have full lunch breaks, having adequate staffing on floors, trading the wellness of your team or prioritizing the wellness of your team over profits for a few years until you can get to a place where people want to come to you because they want to work there. You know, I think there are some, some startups or some more kind of innovative health platforms out there that are trying to do this. And I think we see it working well. Like you, there are some healthcare entities where people really do want to work because they give their providers things like sabbaticals or reasonable patient panels. Um, Imagine that. <laughs> which, you know, is not that unheard of in other careers, but mm -hmm. in healthcare it is. So I, I think that I hope to see that changing. I also see the younger generation of nurses being really vocal about all of this. Social media, for all its downsides, has really allowed nurses and physicians and PAs to kind of rally about mm -hmm. these topics and talk about them really loudly. And I think there will become an increasing demand for change. And it won't just be these like occasional strikes that are about staffing ratios and pay, which really are, you know, fighting over pennies at the end of the day. It'll be yes. about like huge, huge shifts in the way that we view healthcare professionals and the work that they do. I'm so glad you contextualized that in the way you did. And I think, yes, the younger generations being more vocal and saying, you know, <laughs> this doesn't work for me. And I think that's good. And I think people leaving en masse, in a sense, in the bigger picture, is likely a good thing because people are voting with their feet. And when organizations start feeling strapped and they're thinking, okay, why are people leaving in such large numbers? You know, um, this can't be a coincidence. Maybe they'll hear the message and maybe something will happen because I don't think legislators are going to legislate our way out of this particular problem right now. And there's lots of conversations going on about how do we fix healthcare. But in the bigger picture, or actually not the bigger picture, if we if we drill in and down to the individual, people are making choices like you've made. And in the second half of the of the episode, I'd like to talk about the choice you did make and the work you're doing and what it's like for you as an NP and how you feel like you're, you know, leveraging your clinical experience and bringing your expertise to bear on this really cool role that you have. So does that sound good for the second half? Yeah, absolutely. 
Awesome. So hang in there with us and we'll be right back with the second half of episode 429 of the Nurse Keith Show with Shira Page, nurse practitioner and the medical partnerships manager at Bobby, an infant formula startup that we'll talk about right after the break. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again on episode 429 of the Nurse Keith Show with friend of the pod and my new friend and colleague, Shira Page. And Shira, just before the break, we were discussing, oh my gosh, so many things, but we were talking about how people are voting with their feet and choosing to do different things. And thankfully, there's still people out there who are staffing the EDs and ICUs and and the cute care settings and everything else because we need them and you know hats off to them for doing that really hard work out there in the clinical space but there are also many of us who've made other choices and you're one of those people and you're working in what we could characterize as a non-traditional role and the first thing i want to ask is what is that role and Tell us a little bit about Bobby and what what this whole startup culture is like for you. Yeah, um, and I'm, I may uh, frame it to kind of around the role I had prior to Bobby because I think it's helpful to understand as well. But okay. Bobby is a infant formula startup. Um, they currently make two organic infant formulas and they are very focused on changing the culture around how we feed our babies and how we talk about infant feeding and a lot of the historical stigma associated with parents that are choosing to use infant formula and just infant formula in general including infant formula companies so there's historically you know for the past half century or so, only really been a few players in the infant formula space and not a lot of options for parents. And parents were frequently importing infant formula from other countries because they were maybe looking for something that didn't exist here in the U.S. The problem with that is that they would need to go online to do this and purchase them from what are essentially black market websites that were not FDA registered product um, and you know a bunch of risks associated with that the most prominent and relevant uh, in the the past year or so with what's happened with infant formula is that if there's a recall in one of those products parents who are using it would never have any knowledge of that mm-hmm. um, so Bobby was born to seek to fill that gap and allow parents another option that was more aligned with what parents were importing from Europe, but was an FDA registered product. And so an infant formula company needs to not only be able to have these conversations with consumers or the parents who are purchasing the product, but obviously as many of us know, the healthcare professional from um, the lactation provider to the nurse, doulas, the OB, pediatrician, they all play a pretty integral role in helping parents navigate their infant feeding journey. 
So Bobby wants to have a division that is talking to those healthcare professionals and allowing them, you know, not only to just understand the basics of the products we have, like any healthcare product that's on the market, but also to help shift that narrative around infant feeding that causes many parents to struggle um, and to feel like there isn't really a space for them. Mm -hmm. That's great. And so you're the medical community manager. So I'm assuming you work with with providers out there who are who are working with parents directly? Yeah, so my role is to lead the medical team and run any channels at Bobby that face the healthcare professional. So that can be simple things like questions we get from healthcare professionals about our product to actually running a team that goes out into the field and helps healthcare professionals understand Bobby and understand how it might serve their patients. Um, so if you know you work in outpatient care, you may think of these people as medical sales reps. Um, we've chose to approach that angle of communicating with healthcare professionals a little differently at Bobby and are very focused on creating a community of healthcare professionals that are seeing the same struggles amongst their patients. Um, you know, I once heard when I first started working in industry, I heard someone speaking about medical science liaisons, who mm -hmm. are individuals who generally work in the pharmaceutical space, and saying that, you know, if you want to serve the healthcare professional, you need to figure out how to serve their patient. And what we often see as a mom-led company, we see this among our peers, I've seen this in my clinical care, is that parents don't feel supported in their infant feeding journey. And that means that the provider probably also feels inadequate. You know, the average pediatrician is seeing patients for well visits in infancy for 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes if they're lucky. And they have so much to go through in that visit. And feeding is one of the most important parts of that, but usually they don't have the clinical training to support that conversation, whether it is that they don't have enough breastfeeding training to support a parent who's struggling with breastfeeding, or they don't have an integral knowledge of the nutrition of various infant formula products to help a parent decide, um, or a combination of both, because a lot of parents... <laughs> Uh, are increasingly using both breastfeeding and formula feeding as their long-term plan. So that is a lot to cover in a 15-minute visit where you also have to check developmental milestones and talk to the parents about how they're doing and talk about all the many questions that new parents have. Um, and so it often gets, you know, kind of punted to the wayside or providers just struggle through. So that creates kind of a massive knowledge gap. And... Mm -hmm. We are very focused on filling that knowledge gap, but filling it in a holistic way where we are helping support the conversations and the questions that providers are actually getting. Um, you know, there's a lot of education, a lot of it industry supported about infant formula out there. And it's very focused on like the nuances of ingredients, things like HMOs or probiotics, or it's very focused in the NICU space. Uh, and then when it comes to breastfeeding, there's a lot of breastfeeding education that's just targeted towards lactation providers. So we're creating a space 
where professionals can come to learn about how to serve parents and what they're actually doing with infant feeding and the questions that they're actually getting. So we bring in expert pediatricians and uh, board certified lactation consultants to talk about things like combination feeding or how to support parents in bottle feeding skills. So in terms of your clinical experience, where where does that come to bear and how do you feel like you've you've been leveraging your experience as an NP and you know where does that fit in to this this career path of yours right now? Yeah, I think that it's um it's so multifaceted. So some of it is just simply content and expertise, right? Like from things like making a CE webinar to a handout to helping edit a blog that was written by a medical writer. But on a more macro side of things, it's helping the individuals that I work with on the business side of things, on the product side of things, really understand the healthcare space and what the provider needs, what they're thinking, what happens in their day to day. That was similar in my old role as well, working in the medical education space. You know, I was working at a medical education company that was all about medicine. And there was a three to four person medical team at the entire company. So that happens a lot. Like I think people would probably be surprised the proportion of medical professionals that actually work at a pharmaceutical company or a medical device company. And the companies that I think are really able to reach clinicians and reach them well and help them serve patients are the ones that value the insights and expertise of people who've actually worked in the clinical space or are still working in the clinical space. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much al- allowed to continue using my knowledge of both patient care and also just what goes on at a provider level in healthcare to do my job. That's great. And when a nurse or nurse practitioner wants to consider pivoting into industry, you know, finding the role for them, you know, a non-traditional role, what are the, some of the things they need to be looking for? Not just specific jobs, but like how can they make that pivot and what what kind of secrets or or tools or strategies did you learn along the way as you kind of made this change and found what sounds like a very satisfying job in the startup world yeah i think it's helpful to reflect on what you do and do not enjoy about what you do on a day to day basis because that's going to be different for everyone For instance, I think I would have probably said before I started this journey that I would really like going into content development and writing. And, you know, within a year of having a job where that was a fair amount of what I did, I realized that I'd not want to grow my entire career into a content focused role. So I think, you know, if you are someone, for example, who you made teaching handouts for your practice and you really enjoyed doing that and you felt like you were good at that or you have written a blog on a health topic and that's the sort of thing you like then I would lean into that skill and that's kind of the direction I would try to drive your non-clinical track 
Um, maybe you're someone who really enjoys giving in services to your colleagues or going to other specialties and talking about what you do in your practice or on your floor. Um, I think that's more opportunity for kind of teaching-based roles. Maybe you're involved in strategic planning or committees and you enjoy more uh, kind of macro work. Um, so th- I would kind of just sit down with a list of things that you do and, and maybe move things around to what you do enjoy, what you don't know, what you definitely do not want to continue doing. Mm-hmm. And then I think from that list, what you can do is ideally work with individuals who are not in the clinical space and explain to them what those skills are and see how they think that they're translatable. Um, This doesn't have to be a professional coach, although there are lots of career coaches out there. It can just be someone like if you think you want to be in tech, try to find someone who's working in the tech space and talk to them about what it is that you do. Because I think oftentimes there are many more translatable skills than people see when they only know one industry. And then I I think it sounds... (laughs) kind of tedious and like simple, but honestly, reading job descriptions is a really helpful way to start. Granted, it's going to be kind of abstract and you're not going to know exactly what things are, you know, what some of the words mean or what that actually looks like in reality, but it can be helpful just to learn what's out there and what kind of things people do. Um, Because I think if you've only been in healthcare for your entire career, my guess is that you don't have a very good sense of what people do in other fields. Maybe you have spouses or uh, friends that are in other other industries. And I would really encourage you to kind of dig in more to what their day-to-day looks like. And I think that can be really, really insightful. Hmm. There's a bunch of things that you just mentioned. One is you use the word enjoy a number of times when you were talking about you know, if you enjoy doing this or if you enjoy doing that. And I approach when I'm coaching someone who's looking to make a pivot in their career, I often ask them about what are the things you enjoy about your work? So I'm really glad you went there (laughs) and you're like, find the things that you like doing and then find out where can you do more of those things. And I also love that you talked about, well, find people who work in this particular area or space that you're interested in, tell them about yourself, pick their brain about what they do and what that industry is like. And you're, you're encouraging people to do research, like read job descriptions, talk to people, um, think about what it is you like, think about what's out there. So I think those are all really solid recommendations when someone wants to make a pivot. So you're I think you've been reading my mail or something because those are all the same (laughs) things I tell a lot of my clients. And when you and I talked a few weeks ago, you also said that you wanted people like nurses to understand that not practicing clinically isn't the end of the world and that it's especially important if you're miserable to allow yourself to, to dream outside of that. and. You also wanted, you've mentioned that you wanted people to understand that the world is their oyster if they really want to find something. So do you still hold to those opinions that that the world is our oyster if 
if there's something we want to do that we can go out there and find it? Yeah, I do. I think the job market's going to ebb and flow and I don't have a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm sure we will come upon times again where potentially, you know, I can just speak for NPs. Like there have been waves, at least where I'm based in Massachusetts, where that has become a saturated market for sure. But I think there's a lot of fear-based decision-making making happening uh, when people don't want to be where they are, but they don't move anywhere else. And that, that actually doesn't just ring true for pivoting away from clinical work. It, I think it rings true for finding something better in the clinical space as well. I have a number of colleagues who've gotten you know, an offer for a job in a specialty that is just light years superior to whatever grind they're in at the moment. And they are so scared to take advantage of that because they feel like they're pigeonholing themselves or they won't be able to come back to general medicine or, you know, whatever it is. It's very easy to create a fear-based narrative. And I just personally do not prescribe to any of those things. Like, I think if tomorrow I woke up and felt like I was unhappy away from clinical work, and I wanted to go back, I think within six months, I could have a clinical job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I think that people need to give themselves a little bit more credit that they have put in the work to get where they are with their degree. And that's something they have, you know, for their whole life, unless you let it lapse, and you have to take boards again. But for the most part, if you're maintaining your licensure, um, you know, that stays with you. You've been through an immense amount of training. And so I think getting rid of that idea that like every decision you make is going to send you on an irreversible path is really empowering. And so in that sense, I do think the world is your oyster. And then I also think that people are really hungry for healthcare insights. They're really hungry for healthcare leaders in healthcare spaces that are away from clinical care. And this right now is a time when that when when there's you know as we're speaking in june of 2023 there's like you know some of a, a little bit of a job market crisis for some people but i think that places have really learned over the past few years that if you're gonna build a healthcare company you need individuals that come from the healthcare space mm-hmm. and so i actually think this is a prime time for people to pivot That's great. And hopefully there's some people out there who are really hearing this message right now and they might be miserable and they've realized that clinical is not for them and they really want to, you know, pivot out and figure out how they could do something satisfying and something that uses their intelligence and their passion and enthusiasm in a way that makes them feel really good about the work they do. And then in the end, I think that's what we all want, right? We want to do work that feels good. We want to do work that we feel contributes to society in some way. And here you are, you know, you're contributing to a company that supports parents and them being able to raise their children in a healthy way. And I mean, what could be better than that? You know, making sure that children grow up the way that they should with the nutrition they should have. And you're a mom, so I'm sure you totally 
you're totally aligned with that as a mother. And I know Bobby, Bobby is at hibobby.com, right? That's H-I-B-O-B-B-I-E.com. And people can also check out feedingfriendly.com. And we'll have a link to all of those in the show notes. And we'll have a link to your LinkedIn as well. People want to connect you, connect with you on LinkedIn as a professional. And before we go, I always have four special questions I ask my guests at the end. Um, are you game for a little lightning round? Of course. Yeah? Okay. So the first question is, how do you define success, either personally and or professionally? Wow, I, that is a hardball question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think success for me is happiness is being happy and having what I do be sustainable um, in a way that I know that I can keep doing it to serve my family and um, meet the needs that we have while at the same time feeling excited and invigorated and allowing to grow in that space. Hmm. That's lovely. That that t- extrapolates it from the family outward, right? Because you have to start you have to start at home, don't you? I like that. Okay. Yeah. Second question. Could you name or just describe a person who's inspired you in the course of your life? They can be living or dead. They can be famous or someone none of us have ever heard of or ever could have met or heard of at any point in our lives. Yeah, I'm going to say, um, you know, I talked just to circle back about the NPs who inspired me to to become an NP. So I'm going to say, I'm not going to say her name. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll keep her anonymous, but um, the NP who was my women's health NP when I was in college, she was also, um, she also taught a course on women's health in my college. And I saw the way that she had such a massive impact on so many women's lives around me by being a healthcare professional and an educator. And she just inspired my whole journey moving forward. Oh, that's lovely. Do you think she's aware of the fact that she inspired you in that way? You know, I did reach out to her when I got into NP school and when I, you know, a few years later when I started working, but I should probably reach out to her again and and share that with her. Yeah, she might, that might really make her day or make her year, you know, to hear that from you. That's lovely. Okay. Third question, the penultimate question. Is there a book or a movie? doesn't have to be an absolute favorite because that's often hard for any of us to narrow down, but any book or movie that's had a major impact on either the way you think, the way you live your life, the way you approach your work, the way you um, raise your children, anything like that at all. There are so many books and movies that have had a sort of impact. I should have a list of them somewhere because I always Mm -hmm. drop the ball on this question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will go with something I read recently. It was called The Most Fun We Ever Had. And it is a journey through um, parents and their children's lives as they become adults. And just uh, it, it spans, I want to say, 50, 60 years or so and multiple generations. And just being a parent of small children, it was just one of those things that kind of wakes you up to like that, how fast it goes. And 
how this phase that I'm in with two toddlers is really just a blink in um, what's going to be a, a journey through into old age. So um, that definitely, I think about that book quite regularly and it has changed my perspective. Hmm. The most fun we had? The most fun we ever had. The most fun we ever had. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'll put that on my list. Okay. Last question. If you were named queen of the world tomorrow, what's one of the first things you'd want to do to improve the lives of your subjects? Bearing in mind that as queen of the world, you'll have ultimate power. So this would just be your first act as queen. Um, I would make healthcare and childcare free. Ooh, good place to start. Wow. Awesome. Some guests have gone with like shelter. Some have gone with food. Some have gone with health. I think we have to provide those, those basics, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So I think that's yeah. great. I love that. So thank you. And I'm sure you'd be an, an awesome queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shira, thank you so much. This has been so lovely. I really appreciate you having reached out to me. And I hope your story inspires at least one person out there who is thinking, huh, I'm miserable and I need to change and I need to pivot out. So I hope I hope it reaches one person's heart and sparks something for them. And, and it's been really been a delight to have you. Thank you. Me, me too. I hope this reaches at least one person. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. The show notes will be at nursekeith.com or on any app where you happen to be listening. You can find the links to bobby.com, Feeding Friendly, and Shira Page's LinkedIn if you would like to connect with her and have a conversation with her over there. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching to elevate your nursing career, check out nursekeith.com and nursekeith coaching mention the show and get 10% off your first coaching package and if you want to become a patron at patreon that would be awesome p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash nursekeith i greatly appreciate anyone who wants to be a sponsor or if you would just like to leave a rating and review over on apple or wherever you happen to be listening thank you so much for anything you'd like to do to support the show we're proud members of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. We're produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting and Mark Cappiespeason is our social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this quote by the musician Robert Fripp. May my living honor my parents. May my living repay the debt of my existence. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And Shira Page, nurse practitioner, saying Arrivederci from Bedford, Massachusetts. From Bedford, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. Say hello to the Boston area for me. I have lots of family there, Shira. Thanks for being with us. And we will catch all of you on the proverbial flip side.